name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just for a moment, I want to refer back to our first reading, Paul's letter, second letter to Timothy. And as we reflect, it's helpful to remember that Paul was writing this letter to Timothy from prison. And it's not a right to assume that, it, that this was some kind of house arrest or a minimum security confinement. Paul was incarcerated in a dismal underground dungeon, probably with a hole up top to let a little bit of light and air come in. We know from other chapters that, he was, that the, the dungeon was cold and he was miserable. He was awaiting a full trial, but he wasn't expected to be acquitted. And we have very good reason to believe that shortly thereafter, he was found guilty and beheaded. All of this to say that we should not be surprised if Paul's faith would have been severely shattered. But no, we see here, in an effort to encourage his protege, Timothy, we find here a remarkable statement of faith. Paul speaks of God, quote, who saved us, not in virtue of our works, but in virtue of his own purpose and the grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus. Paul speaks of his Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. To say the least, Paul had a remarkable faith under crushing circumstances. And you and I, we might not be on death row in a dungeon this morning, but I know we all have some problems. Some of them are big problems and difficult problems. Life can jerk you around unmercifully, and at times our hearts are paralyzed with fear. And wouldn't it be wonderful that if we had some of this same faith here that we see coming from Paul to carry us through? Uh, this kind of faith is, is not to be found in the power of positive thinking. We need something greater than ourselves if we're going to if we're going to get along in this life. All this by way of introducing the text that we have here in Luke in Luke, where the apostles who were frustrated with living up to Jesus's expectations and who were struggling with the inadequacy of their own faith. They said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. I don't know about you, but that's a verse that grabs my attention every time I read it. I ask you up front, have you ever wrestled with the inadequacy of your own faith? And as you consider that question, let's back up and define faith here. What do you mean by faith from a biblical perspective? Well, contrary to the counsel and advisement of Mr. Worldly Wise Man, this faith has nothing to do with believing in yourself. Rather, faith is specifically defined as the assurance of things hoped for. It is the trustful confidence in the promises of God that whatever does happen into this world, no matter how bad, God has the last word. This kind of faith believes that Jesus is exactly who, what he said about himself and to believe all that he promised to do for us, specifically die for our sins, rise again from the dead to take us to the place which he has prepared for us. And let us remember that this, this faith is not speculation. It's based on biblical witness. It is not blind. It is deeply rooted in the objective reality of that first Easter morning. Paul said in Corinthians, if Christ has not been raised, then our faith is futile, period. 
But he goes on to say, but Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So how crucial is this faith in the New Testament? Well, justification by faith, that is being made acceptable to God, is the grand truth of the entire Bible. Faith occupies a kind of channel, a kind of roadway to the very throne of grace. Faith is the ladder, we might say, that we must climb uh, to take our souls into heaven. How many times did Jesus say, Thy faith have saved thee? A bunch. And he said the most important work that you could do on earth is to have faith in, to believe in him whom God has sent, pointing to himself. Just go to your concordance and see how many times and in how many crucial ways faith plays in God's plan for our salvation. And on a more practical level, faith is the thing that gets us through our trials and our sufferings. With little faith, I am like the tin man of the lion, of a straw man in the land of Oz. And with no faith, I am, to put it bluntly, without God. Hebrews eleven six. it is impossible to please God without faith. Men and women throughout history have understood the profound necessity of faith. When Patrick Henry, considered to be one of the founding fathers of this country, drew up his last will and statement, he included this as the closing Paragraph, And as far as I can ascertain, these words are verbatim. I have now disposed of all my property to my family. There is one thing more I wish I could give them, and that is the Christian faith. If they had this, and I had not given them one shilling, they would be rich. If they had not this, and I had given them the world, they would still be poor. And so... Considering how important faith is, and considering the fact that the twelve disciples were struggling with it, I think it's little wonder that we find that they cried out to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. And the translators were absolutely correct by adding an explanation point. Lord, increase our faith, exclamation point. Well, as Paul to observe that the apostles asked the right person, didn't they, to increase their faith? Because faith defined by the Bible is a gift. We can't create it. We can't earn it. It comes from God. And so we rightly take it to God in prayer. And so all of this then comes back to you and me. Considering the cruciality of faith in the Bible and of its vital importance in the role of God's plan for the well-being of our souls in this life and in the next, let me ask you again, how does it go with you personally? Have you ever struggled with the inadequacy of your faith? I'll never forget many years ago in my ministry, when I was very much involved in youth ministry, a young teenage girl made an appointment uh, to talk, and it was obvious as soon as she walked in the office that she had a deep concern. And as it turned out, uh, she said that she had, as she put it, come to Jesus earlier that year and had joined a group of teenagers who met once a week uh, to study the Bible and to talk about their faith. And one of the leaders in the group had been insisting that uh, others in their school who claimed to be Christians really didn't have, quote, saving faith. And this girl in my office was moved almost to the point of tears. And she said, 
tell me what is saving faith and how much faith do I need for it to be saving faith? Bless our heart. To say the least, we had a long talk in which I, I prayed that I could reassure her and give her some peace. You see, you and I cannot live up to Jesus' standards. I mean, do you have enough faith to move a sycamine tree? Do you have enough faith to walk on water as he invited Peter to do? And just as we don't have enough righteousness to stand before God without grace, our puny faith is not strong enough to stand before God without grace. To understand faith in terms of merit and reward is in serious conflict with the New Testament. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I think it's safe to say that some days the shifts and episodes of your faith will concern you. If you worry about the unsteadiness of your own faith, then perhaps you'll be reminded of the unsteadiness of the 12 disciples. It wasn't the little ones in the church who were struggling here. We're talking about the 12 chosen themselves. They themselves needed this supplication. Oh, Lord, increase our faith. But they would come to see that the good news is that our shaky faith is not the rock on which Jesus built the church. I love the imagery. I found an old sermon written many, many years ago by an old seminary professor of mine, David Scott. And he wrote, if you ground your relationship with God solely on the ground of the steadiness of your faith, you get nervous. And when it does, remember the difference between the steady shining sun and the sliding flimsy shadows cast along the earth. Remember the difference between the steady shining sun and the sliding, flimsy shadows cast along the earth. And so let us give thanks for the faith that God has put in our hearts, as flimsy as it may be from time to time. May God give faith to those who have no faith. And for the rest, may God, of the grace and mercy, increase our faith. For Jesus' sake, amen.